Hi, everybody. This is Kelly with the All Things That Go Bump in the Night podcast. Uh, my podcast is not just true crime, but it's also anything that can be considered spooky, paranormal, conspiracy theories, true crime, all of it. Um, today, I'm going to be covering Robert Lee Yates Jr. He's a prolific serial killer from the Spokane area, my my hometown. Um, got a lot of different sources for this, like a ridiculous amount of sources. But the biggest ones were Murderpedia, Seattle Times, and the book Serial Killer Quarterly, Volume 1, Body Harvesting. So, Robert Lee Yates Jr. was born May 27, 1952 in Anacortes, Washington, which is over in the Oak Harbor area. So, Puget Sound, uh, little tiny, I think it's an island. It's, it's over there, over by the ocean. Um, he was born into a Seventh-day Adventist family. His mother was Anna Mae Yates and Robert Lee Yates Sr. He was no, not really known growing up. There's, he was one of those kids who was just very plain. He played baseball and football, but he just never really stood out. Um, he was always very well-dressed, very well-groomed. He always had a little little comb-over, kind of like what I got going on. Um, <laughs> he graduated from Oak Harbor High School in 1970. That, that fall, he enrolled in Skagit Valley Community College in Fall City, where he met his fir first wife, Shirley Nylander. Hi. Who, who's, who's joining us? Oh, hi, Mom. <laughs> Um, just a little recap, just getting started into Robert Lee Yates' early life, not very far into it. He just met his first wife, Shirley Nylander, um, in the fall of 1970. In August 1972, he, and, he married Shirley at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Fall City. In October of 1972, Robert enrolled in, at Walla Walla College, majoring in pre-med, which I didn't know Walla Walla State College had a med school. Um, on March, in March of 1974, Robert and Shirley separated, with Shirley returning back home to Fall City. Um, by May of 1974, Shirley had officially filed for divorce, and then just the month following that, June 1974, Robert met his second wife, Linda Brewer. In July of 1974, they were married, but that marriage was annulled because his divorce with Shirley was not yet finalized. Um, in August 1974, Robert's divorce from Shirley was finalized, with Shirley going back to her maiden name, probably a made her really happy to not have that tied to her. Um, by December of 1974, Robert and Linda welcomed their first daughter, Sasha. I was really confused on that timeline because, you know, him and Linda hadn't even met until just that previous June, so she, she had to have been born very, very early, you know, six months into the gestation. Um... In May of 1975, Robert got his Associates in Art degree, and May 1975, sorry, 
July 1975, Robert began working as a correctional officer at Walla Walla Penitentiary, or Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, where Linda's mother had worked for 18 years. At one point, Linda and Robert had separated for a period of 30 days after she discovered that he had drilled a hole in the wall of their apartment to watch their neighbors having sex. Um, but after that 30 days, you know, she, she and Sasha went back. In July of, on July 13, 1975, college graduates of Walla Walla College and longtime friends Patrick Oliver, who was 21, and Susan Savage, who was 22, were having a picnic at Mill Creek near Walla Walla. At the time, Robert was 23 and was in the area doing target practice. For some odd reason, he decided to, that using his 357 handgun, he was going to shoot Patrick and Susan. Patrick was shot three times, one of which went through his heart before turning the gun to Susan. Susan was shot twice, once in the shoulder and the other to the head behind the left ear. The bodies were then arranged in a sexual manner with Susan's almost completely nude body put on top of Patrick's. Uh, he then covered their bodies in vegetation, an army sleeping bag, and a tire. They were discovered the next day by, by Patrick's brother Dan and their uncle. A reward was offered for any information on who the couple, who could have killed the couple, but despite hundreds of leads, everything came back as a dead end. The murder of Patrick Oliver and Susan Savage remained unsolved for 25 years before Robert confessed to that murder. Uh, four months after that, Robert left his job uh, as the correction officer. He began working as a janitor at a local hospital and then as an usher at a movie theater. In n July 1976, Robert and Linda were married a second time, officially. Uh, in 1977, at 25 years old, Robert enlisted in the United States Army. In 1980, he attended a warrant officer course to become a helicopter pilot. This job happened to be the best thing for him career-wise. He became so good that he eventually began teaching the classes to the other, um, other new Army recruits. From October 1981 to February 1984, Robert was stationed in Germany working as a helicopter pilot in the 503rd Aviation Unit. Uh, but by 1990, Robert had returned to the U.S. to take part in a survivals course. In late 1992, Robert was deployed to Somalia as part of a peacekeeping mission. He was actually almost court-martialed after shooting a pig from his helicopter. Um, he said that it was a giant misunderstanding. They just got tired of living off of MREs and they saw the pig and they wanted a nice hot meal. Can't, can't blame them on that one. I tasted some MREs. They're not great. Um, in September of 1994, Robert took a vacation to Walla Walla, Washington to buy a white 1977 Corvette from a woman named Suze, uh, Sarah Marsh before being sent to Haiti by the U.S. Army. In March of 1996, Robert ended up taking early retirement. He was shy just a few days of actually getting full retirement benefits. Um, so as, as a consequence, he only received $20,000 a year in retirement pay. 
He was a chief warrant officer, the highest rank that he could achieve at the time. He had earned 12 medals, two ribbons, and a badge for his humanitarian services, good conduct, and meritorious service. He received 30 days of paid leave a year while in the army, but there's no record of what he was doing during these vacations. I mention this because there were five women who were found in the Spokane River in 1990. In April of 1996, Robert moved his family, which at this point included four daughters and a son, to Spokane. He remained unemployed for several months. Robert and his family lived in a ranch-style house in a cul-de-sac on Spokane's South Hill. That area of town is known for being like the affluent neighborhoods. All of the mansions in Spokane are typically found over on the South Hill. He was known by everyone as a loving family man who often spent time outside tinkering with his three cars. In September of 1996, he got a job working at a company called Pantrol, making circuit boards. I don't know if that company still exists. I've never even heard of them. So, In April of 1997, Robert then enlisted in the National Guard as a chief warrant officer. On August 26, 1977, 16-year-old uh, sex worker Jennifer Joseph was found in a farm in the Mount Spokane foothills, about 12 miles away from Sprague Avenue, which is the strip of town here in Spokane known for where the prostitutes go and they work. Um, she was last seen getting into a white Corvette driven by a white man. She was shot in the chest with a single button missing. Semen was found inside her, which would later be identified as Robert Lee H. Jr.'s. In September of 1997, Robert was pulled over in his 77 Corvette near Sprague Avenue, but was not cited with any violations. 29-year-old sex worker Darla Sue Scott was found November 5, 1997, sorry, not 97, by a man walking his dog off of Hangman Valley Road. Not only had she been shot in the head twice, but she had been buried in a shallow grave with two plastic bags covering her head. DNA samples of semen were found in her body, which also matched Yates. On December 7, 1997, 24-year-old Melinda Mercer was found on 50th Street in Tacoma, Washington. She was shot three times in the head with four plastic bags covering her head. That's going to be his signature for every single murder after this. Um, the body of 36-year-old Sean Johnson was found off Hangman Road near where Darla Scotts was found. She was also shot twice in the head with plastic bags covering her head, and she also had Yates semen still inside her. On December 26, 1997, the bodies of 31-year-old Laurel Wasson and 39-year-old Sean McClenahan were found near Hangman Valley Road. Both women were shot in the head with plastic bags covering their heads. Yates semen was present in both women's bodies. They were also covered in vegetation not found in the area, uh, peanut shells, packing peanuts, and chips of concrete all things that could be found in Yates' backyard. His fingerprint was also found on one of the bags covering Sean's head. 41-year-old Sonny Oster was found February 8, 1998 in a wooded area of western Spokane County. 
As with other victims, she was shot twice in the head with, a, with plastic bags covering her head and Yates semen still inside of her. In March of that year, Yates bought a new home for his family just one mile away from their rental home. On April 1st, 1998, 34-year-old Linda Mabin was found in a shallow grave 50 yards from where Laurel Wasson and Sean McClanahan were found. She was shot once in the head with two plastic bags over her head and his semen was present in her as well, as well as debris from his backyard. In May of 1998, Yates sold his 77 Corvette to a woman named Rita Jones here in Spokane, Washington. In July on July 7, 1998, a transient found the body of 47-year-old Michelin uh, Durning under an old hot tub cover in an area known to be frequented by prostitutes. She had just been seen the week earlier, whereas the other women had been missing for weeks or months at a time before they were found. Um, though Michelin had been shot in the head, she had not been raped, nor did she have a bag covering her head, and also had not been moved from the murder site like the other victims. In September 1998, Robert was laid off from his job at Pantrol. Um, October 13, 1998, 25-year-old Connie LaFontaine Ellis was found in a ditch in Tacoma, Washington. She was shot once in the head with three plastic bags over her head. When Robert was tried and convicted, authorities decided not to include the deaths of Connie and Melinda, uh, leaving that up to Pierce County to do, which actually was a very good idea. On November 10, 1998, Robert was pulled over, <coughs> excuse me, was pulled over at 1.25 a.m. near Sprague Avenue with a prostitute in his car. When questioned by the cops, he said the sex worker was a friend of his daughter's and was just giving her a ride home. Which, I don't know any cop that would believe that. Um, two days later, though, Yates' middle daughter, Amber, who was 19 at the time, showed up at the police station. Said that uh, She told authorities that Yates would hit her all the time. When police interviewed Yates, he said that he had grabbed her left arm and lightly slapped her several times for being disrespectful. As a result, he was charged with misdemeanor assault. In December of 1998, during an employee strike at the local smelting company Kaiser Aluminum, Yates walked through the strike to apply for a job of which he ended up being hired. On November 10, 1998, the police were out in droves. Knowing that the killer was going to murder again, they were like, we need to get as many patrols out as we can. At 1.25 a.m., they witnessed a white 1985 Honda Civic pick up sex worker Jennifer Robinson on First and Crestline, which is another area known to be frequented by prostitutes. Um, when he... An officer ran the plates, and it came back to be owned at, by Robert Lee Yates, so an officer pulled him over. When the officer pulled him over, he told them that her father was one of his friends and that he had called to basically pick her up and bring her home. Because the sex worker went along with it and said that it was true, they basically had no choice but to let him go. 
During the course of this investigation, however, the task force was made aware of the assault and robbery of 31-year-old Christine Smith on August 1, 1998. According to the police report that Christine filed, she was picked up by a John in a 70s black van with an orange design on the side. It had dark vinyl seats with a wood-framed bed in the back. The driver was a white man, about 50 years old, 5 foot 10 inches tall and 175 pounds. He had sandy blonde hair of average length, no facial hair with pox marks on his face. She said he did not seem nervous or smell of alcohol, which is something that she always made it a point to check before she got into the car with a John. After negotiating on a price, she said that she he drove them behind a clinic on 5th Street. Um, but en route, he was basically talking about being a helicopter pilot in the National Guard. When she questioned him about whether he was responsible for all of the prostitutes me being murdered in the area, he said that he was a father of five and would never do such a thing. I'm sorry, if you're killing people, why are you telling them what your job is, how many kids you have, that you're in the military? Like, those are all things that can get back to you. Like, oh, just, he's dumb. He was dumb. Um, when they got to the clinic, they went to the back of the van where he paid her $40 for oral sex. She noticed that in the five to seven minutes that she performed oral sex on him, he never once achieved an erection. After that time, he hit her over the head with something. She wasn't sure what, but it almost caused her to lose consciousness. He demanded his $40 back, but she was able to escape to St. Luke's Rehabilitation Center where a security guard helped her. Security guard ended up taking her to Sacred Heart Medical Center, which is our one of our biggest hospitals here. Actually, it's one of the only hospitals here. They're all pretty big. Um, <laughs> but she ended up needing three stitches for a half-inch long cut that was above and behind her left ear. As the investigation went on, investigators knew that Robert was their suspect. They didn't have any proof that he was the suspect. It was just one of those things like... I have a feeling this guy is it, you know. So, as the conversation went on, or investigation went on, investigators knew Robert was their suspect. On September 14, 1999, the task force went to Yates' home at 2220 East 49th Avenue. He was not home, so detectives left a note to contact them ASAP. Robert complied and went to the station the very next day to sit down with detectives. The detectives noticed that he was sweating bullets. Um, he stuck with his story about knowing the prostitutes that he was caught picking up. And even after the detectives told him that all Johns repeat that same story when they're caught, he was like, no, that's, that's the truth. Like, I'm not lying to you. And they were like, you realize that all we have to do is get a hold of that prostitute and call her family and verify that your story is true, right? And he was like, yeah, it, it'll, it'll check out. You know, no big deal. I, I'm not lying. So they basically were like, okay, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, he did say that he did not proposition prostitutes in the U.S. He only propositioned them when he was in Germany where it was legal. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I read. Um, when asked to leave a voluntary blood sample, 
he basically said, you know, oh, I got to talk to my wife about it. You know, this, this is something that's major. I really got to talk to my wife. Called back, few, uh, I think it was like a few hours later, and was like, no, I'm not giving it to you. So police then contacted Jennifer Robinson, who was the woman that he was caught picking up, and he said that, you know, oh, her dad called me to pick her up. Basically, she told them that Yates had paid her $20 for oral sex, and that when they were pulled over, she was the one that told him to say that story. As a result, clearly, they more proof that he's lying. So then the police contacted Rita Jones, uh, who was the woman that bought the Corvette from him. She said that before she bought the Corvette, Robert had told her that he had replaced the carpet in it about a year before. She consented to a search where multiple fiber samples were taken and sent to the Washington State Crime Laboratory. On January 4, 2000, Yates' former boss at Pantrol was interviewed who told investigators that Yates seemed to constantly be driving different cars. That was another thing that they were like, why didn't he mention this? He mentioned the two Honda Civics that he had and the old Corvette but he's not mentioning all of these other vehicles that he supposedly owns. So they ended up being able to get a search warrant for the Corvette. A white button was found on the passenger side floorboard. Blood was also found on the belt buckle and the fastening device that is used for, you know, to buckle it in. Um, there was also blood found in several areas of the passenger side floorboard, the driver's seat, and the bottom of the passenger seat. All of the, this blood matched um, Jennifer Josephs, the first woman that was found murdered. On April 18, 2000, Yates was arrested for the murder of Jennifer Joseph. A search warrant was obtained for a blood DNA test, trying to make sure that it was Yates's blood, you know, checking the DNA from all of the women, you know, that had the semen inside them, and they all matched up. During a second interview with police, Christine Smith told investigators that while being treated at the University of Washington Medical Center for a car accident, they took x-rays of her head, and the inside were old um, fragments of a bullet. So, Likely, it's believed that she was not actually hit over the head with anything. She had actually been shot in the head. And for, for some godforsaken reason, she did not die. Um, but they, they're pretty sure that he was, he was the one that did it. Um, police found the 1979 black Ford van with an orange stripe down the side at the time though it had been painted over with black paint. The platform in the back of the bed, or in the back for the bed, tested positive for Christine's blood. They also found a 25, um, 25 millimeter bullet casing, which also matched to the murders of Johnson, McClenahan, Wasser, Oster, Mabin, Ellis, and Mercer. Yates was charged with eight cans counts of murder in the first degree, but is suspected of 18 murders in just Spokane County. 
He was also charged with first-degree attempted murder and first-degree burglary for the assault on Christine Smith. He was held without bond and pleaded not guilty. Prosecutors were going to go for the death penalty, but on October 16, 2000, Yates decided to strike a deal out of fear that he would be sentenced to death. In exchange for life in prison, he pleaded guilty to 13 counts of first-degree murder. After prosecutors agreed, he drew a diagram of his backyard where he had buried the body, excuse me, sorry, where he had buried the body of 43-year-old Melody Murfin, who had been missing since May 20th, 1998. The sad thing is, is it was right underneath his and Linda's bedroom window. Yates was sentenced to 408 years in prison for the Spokane County murders life in prison, no, no death penalty. However, in 2002, Pierce County decided to try him for the two deaths in their county, in Tacoma, and he was sentenced to the death penalty. In a weird turn of events, he is now currently in the Washington State Penitentiary, the very same prison that he was a prison guard in all those years ago. Probably not, not doing too well over there. So, all of the victims, I'm going to list them off. So, Susan Savage, Patrick Allen Oliver, Stacy Elizabeth Hahn, because, sorry, I didn't list everybody in my notes. I was having a really difficult time. Um, but yeah, so these are all of his victims. Uh, Stacy Elizabeth Hahn, Shannon Zielinski, Jennifer Joseph, Heather Hernandez, Darla Sue Scott, Sean Johnson, Laurel Wasson, Sunny Oster, Linda Mabin, Michelin Durning, Sean McClenahan, Melinda Mercer, and Connie Lafontaine Ellis. And that is the Spokane serial killer. Robert Lee Yates. He's one of those ones that nobody really hears about. You know, Spoke Washington is known for serial killers. It's just a fact of life. I don't know why, but we have a ton of huge serial killers here. I mean, we've had the Green River Killer, we've had Ted Bundy, but nobody really seems to talk about Robert Lee Yates. And it's just... I can't imagine how those families felt. My sister, her uh, preschool teacher was actually the sister of one of his victims. And I remember her coming to the house and sitting with my parents and crying when, when that all came out. And I, I was, I was little. I was 98, 99. I was eight and 99. So I was young, and I still that I still remember that. But yeah, I think I think that's it for this week. Nobody's really joining, so I think I might just cut it short. So yeah, have a good week, everybody. Follow good social distancing and stay safe.